whatever you're doing, double it up more frequently, which means however frequently you're doing it now, increase that. So that would be different for each one of us. Amen? Amen. Okay. Uh, to the things which we have heard, less than any time we should let them slip. To let things slip mean this, to slide suddenly, which would be like, hey, just yank the rug out from under yourself, why don't you, you know, while you're standing on it, um, or to involuntarily become disengaged to pass without having acted upon imperceptibly. So if I'm standing on this, the bank of a river, which you think of something passing, and I'm looking at it, and I see something, and it begins to float away, then I could be considered, oh, I'm just letting that slip and slide away. But this is identifying two ways. It's identifying the things that I've heard and seen and now letting them drift downstream. But it also is indicating that I will become this person. I'm now walking by, and I'm now imper- I'm imperceptibly just letting everything pass by me, and I can't even tell I'm letting it pass by anymore. So he's saying, don't become that person by saying, oh, I've heard that. Now I want to go and hear something new, which Matthew says, even what you had is now taken from you. So we talked about, remember, holding fast. So pastor was holding fast to that which I'll have and not letting it slip would be the same thing. So it's important to gain new knowledge, but not to let go of doing the current knowledge. So I'll ask you a question, but let me give you this example. In, in spiritual life, I've noticed that people will gain something new and immediately stop doing something they were doing. But that's not even natural or normal. So if you're a child and you learn to count to 10, then what do you learn next? To count to 20. Do you, can you only count from 11 to 20? Did you forget 1 to 10? No, so it's within us. When we learned algebra, we didn't forget division. So when we decided that we'd uh, run a mile and we got to mile 2, we didn't stop running mile 1. So there's nothing in our physical makeup or our solical mental makeup that allows us to lose information we had in the process of acquiring something. So I don't have to, if I want uh, to carry both of these, I can. Okay, so hand me my phone. So spiritually we go, oh, okay, I want to study this new message because it's really fun, so I'm going to put that aside. That's what we do spiritually. But that's not a God-given quality. That has to be a deliberate choice. So we can't go, oh, that's just natural, or that's human nature. Actually, it's not human nature at all. God birthed within your human nature the capacity to continue to gain and gain and gain and not to let anything slip. Because he wouldn't ask you, it would be unjust for him to say not to do it if you didn't have the ability not to do it. But it would need your participation. So let me ask you this question. What have you noticed in your life that you've done that with, that you let slip? Yes, ma'am. I noticed um, at the beginning of the summer, my, my job is very goal-driven. And if I don't make goal, I don't make focus. And bonus is a huge part of my, what I live on. You know, it's a huge part of my income. And at the beginning of the summer, it's typically very difficult in my line of work to make goal. And the first couple of months, I have to say, honestly, that I wasn't speaking. I make goal no matter what, every month without fail. I make goal no matter what, every month without fail. I wasn't saying that. I wasn't putting that into practice the first couple of months, and I missed it. I missed goal. And last month, I began to put my mouth on it continuously, and I made goals this month, like four units. And this month, I started out at a 62% projection accuracy rate, and that is super low. Typically, we're in the 80s and 90s, but it rained every day, and I've been putting my mouth on it. I'm going to make goals this month, no matter what. I'm back up to close to 80%. I'm still on track to make goals, and I believe that I'm going to remain on track to make goals, so that's something that I did let slip okay. by putting my mouth on that because I have to make goal every month without fail. Yeah. So, so in, in bringing that back into your life, what you had let slip, did you have to engage and disengage in something else to accomplish that, or did you just add it back in? No, I decided it back okay. in. I don't, I don't think that I disengaged in anything else. I think I just focused on that more. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I let anything else slide necessarily. All right, so you didn't I have to know. trade that. Mm-hmm. 
for something else is what I'm asking. So we all know that it's easy to let things slip. But why do you think we do? What do you think would be the cause? Why are we letting those things slip? Distractions. Okay. Anybody else? Effort. It effort. Hold tight. Don't let it slip. That takes effort. Thanks, Focus. Let's go. Um, said focus. If you focus light in one spot, eventually it start a fire. But you got to keep the focus really strong. You get your fire. Um, oh boy. I need <laughs> so this takes effort. Holding fast, right? Somebody doesn't take it. Which took more effort? Picking it back up. So what what does Satan try to tell? Oh, this is just so hard. But God put it within our capacity to not only hold everything, but continue to get more and more and more and not let anything slip. So it's just him telling us it's harder, like you said, distraction. Remember it this way. Satan can schedule your distraction. He cannot schedule your destruction, but you yielding to distraction will be your destruction. Okay. So it's, uh, what else would you say are reasons we just let things slip? Fatigue, distraction, Sometimes people don't see something working. They're not being patient and waiting it out. So they're running to the next thing because they don't see the result that they think they should see and the timing that they think it should be there. So jump to the next thing, seeking that, that that might be the answer and not realizing that they're messing themselves up and not being patient. Okay, that's an excellent one. So uh, just being in an instant society and want everything now, that would just be carnal, right? What we sow to the flesh, we reap destruction. Uh, has anybody ever experienced an area of their life where they did that, that we, you got what we call the law of diminishing returns? Every time you moved, you got less results and less results and less results. So we, we, we know mentally this method does not work, <laughs> And so when, when that we experience that, I think it's important that we locate and go, okay, my body is dominating my spirit and my soul. You need to understand which one's in domination in this area. It may not be in all areas, or uh, because if it goes against logic and you're yielding to it, it's not your spirit, it's not your mind. It'd be better that your mind was dominant over your body in most areas. But just being able to face off with the where is that going kind of helps you go, okay, let's just not... You know, anybody figured out that diets don't work? <laughs> Except they do. All of them work right away. They just stop working when you stop working. <laughs> um, and they, because you can't live on one permanently, yeah. So um, let's look at this parallel scripture, could we? Second Timothy 4.3 would be uh, part of this tripartite we're going to use. Second Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. How many of you would say that that time has been here? It's not only here, but it's been here. Okay. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. So let's look at what that means, obviously, in the Greek. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Uh, sound uh, will not endure means to measure oneself against. Okay, so if I have a measuring device, anybody ever uh, put a, a ruler or a chart up against the wall and brought your little kid up there and marked it? Okay. But until little Johnny came up against the measuring device, could you get an accurate measurement? You know, he's running around and you want him to come up here and you want to measure. Okay. So pretend this is the word. The word is the measuring device. And the Bible says to endure this means I take myself and I go, my thoughts, are they his thoughts? Yep. My actions, are they his actions? I have to put myself against it. Not that I put myself up against and say I'm falling short. Not, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Are my thoughts his thoughts? Are my words his words? I have to measure myself against the word only. 
Not my ideas. I put uh, something on Facebook today. Deception is when you think God thinks like you. Yeah. Um, and so you don't want to go, yeah, I know the word. God, you know, me and God were in agreement about this. Most likely not, unless you're walking in 100% perfection and there's fruit. If it's not working, then, then, then if God's never an error, he's perfect, so he doesn't have to change, we might want to go, maybe there's a 12, 18-inch gap here that I need to move over a little bit. So endure. Sound doctrine just means it's uncorrupted. Uh, instruction, but after their own lust. Lust, people always equate it with sex. Lust means longing for anything that is forbidden. What are some things in the scripture outside of sex that God forbids? Okay. Okay. So there were things that God forbade that weren't really what we would call, okay, the big ten. Certain things to not eat. Or to eat because it was just unhealthy for their current environment. Pork, you know, in the desert when it's 100 degrees, probably not the greatest thing to eat. Tastes good, but not so helpful. Um, so he forbade certain things. They weren't always uh, big or deep or spiritual. So uh, what was it that God forbade Eve and Adam to have? Right. And what was the result that he was trying to prevent? What was Eve's desire and longing what was she lusting after that God forbade that Satan got her to give into? To be like God. It wasn't just knowledge. No, you'll be like God. That's a little different. Which was the original sin that Satan committed. And so the, the, to lust after something is to desire something that God has forbidden simply because it will harm you. He's not trying to keep any fun from him because Adam and Eve were not helped. And we were not helped by that. They were actually harmed by it. So this is what's going on in the last days. People are looking for what is forbidden. They shall heap, means accumulate, and seek additionally to themselves by their own conceits, their own decisions, and not God's teachers. What would that look like today? How would a Christian, this, the Bible's written to Christians, this is talking about Christians, heap to themselves teachers and instructors that their own lust and longing desire to hear. By what method are we doing that? Podcasts, TV. So the average Christian is watching or listening to five to six different podcasts that are not their pastor a week. That's this verse, and they think that's helpful. That's a weak, unhealthy, diabetic Christian. Because when you eat out all the time and you're not eating what mama said, we're eating chicken, potatoes, and veggies. No, I want blueberry pie today, peach ice cream tomorrow. I'm going to decide by my own conceit that I know best over my pastor and God. I will choose my own pastor, a board hiring somebody says, you'll pastor us. But we'll tell you what you're saying you don't say. Or you heaping to yourself through the TV or that. Things that, that uh, the Bible says tickle your ears. It says um, itching ears. That means has an audience and a rumor of fame. That this is what Christians would do in the last days. How many of you would observe that that's actually going on all around you on a daily basis? Don't raise your hand if that's you. <laughs> um, there's a reason we have podcasts and we always say you need to eat uh, the food you're served here because this is the company that God's placed you in. We don't go out every day, but we go out maybe once a week to have a nice meal, right? Maybe once a month, but we're not eating out breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's, you don't want to do that spiritually either. You're malnourished. Okay, so uh, there are six last days characteristics, and then I'll ask you what you think of this verse. Number one, that people will not endure what's called uncorrupted doctrine. That just means they're going, you know, I know that adultery is wrong, but, oh, you get your butt out of the way. Anytime it says but, but, you know, they, they're the unbeliever, and so you got to divorce them. That's not what it said. Jesus said if you got divorced as a believer that you needed to remain unmarried if you did it out, out of the will of God. In other words, they were an unbeliever, but they wanted to stay with you. And you cited irreconcilable differences because you were selfish. Moses permitted that. You, were, you could do it, but you need to stay single or he called you an adulterer. 
So for anybody to get up in a pulpit and say, hey, that's not true, it doesn't really mean that, I'm going to paraphrase, after all, we can choose the GW, the ESV, the ERV, the ASB, the TP version, and we can paraphrase it right on out of the King James to where nobody knows what anybody's talking about. We're all just on our journey together, the blind leading the blind, right? Okay, add one teacher to another, gad about from church to church, they'll hop from church to church physically, or they'll hop church to church on their podcast to find those who will not insist on their getting rid of sins and sinful pleasures. How many of you would agree that that's what people are looking for? Don't tell me what I'm doing wrong. I want to know what I'm doing right. Now, I would say this. If I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror, can I tell what I'm doing right and wrong with that image? Fruit. Right here is fruit. Okay, we're either doing something right or we're doing something wrong. Uh, Your bank account, when you go to cash your paycheck, is that letting you know whether you're doing something that's right to you or wrong? Okay, in other words, can we measure everything we're doing right by the fruit that we've produced? Okay, we know we're doing it. So do we need anybody to tell us we're doing right? Your fruit in every area tells you yourself according to what we're doing right. So with spiritual things... We know whether we're doing right or not. Amen? Amen. Having, number three, add one teacher to another, get about, okay, getting rid of their sins. Number four, having itching ears. They desire speakers who will tickle their ears and excuse their passions in the name of religion. Number five, turn away their ears from truth, which strips them of sin and demands their wholehearted consecration to Christ. Most people say they're Christians, but they really aren't Christians. They practice Christianity. But there's a difference between practice Christianity, believing in Christianity, and being a Christian that you can't compartmentalize. Can't check out on Friday night and go dance on the bar and be a Christian again Saturday morning. Uh, I mean, you could try, but it doesn't work. Doesn't fly with God, just maybe with you. Six, turn to fables and false religions that pamper the flesh and condone sin. So I was thinking... Um, what would be a fable? What would you say a fable is? Something that's not true, but you do something? Yeah. A fable was designed to tell a story about a moral in a story, non-truthful, factual way. Most of the sermons that you're seeing in these environments, would you consider them fables? They, they're below a paraphrase. There's one thing to go, we're going to have a sermon and I'm going to show you a word picture. Hey, this is when Jesus says you're a light, this is what light looks like. We discussed principle first, truth, and then I said, Jesus, wasn't that what Jesus was doing? Hey, uh, you're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they all sat there blinking like a bullfrog. So he said, hey, it looks like this, the farm you pass. It looks like this, the general. He said, it looks like, in other words, it looks like the principle, truth. He wasn't watering it down altering it or not basing it on truth or fact but today we have so much alteration of it that it's actually the bible says and we see can see it you know flip it on 24 7 on the tv it's a fable it's not even based on a biblical principle of of truth that you can live by but it sounds good and it makes you feel good temporarily because it talks about how wonderful you are instead of the gap what, what's, since we all know what's working, do we need somebody else to tell us? But what we don't know is what we don't know. It's not working. So when you, you, you want to go for battle strategy or weapons training, you're in the military. They're not sitting you down and go, you guys ran so awesome today. Woo! High five your neighbor. Like, no, this is what you did wrong. You're a screw up. Do it again 50 times. Yeah. And that's what they want to know. Why? Because it's life or death. What they did right, the enemy soldier doesn't go, man, you're bad, dude. You're bad to the bone. I really honor and respect you. You can really change out that mag quicker than anybody else. No, you're just dead after the conversation. So, but we're treating Jesus and his word that he says it's life and death. I came to give you life, and, and would you please do me one favor? I just want you to share that life with somebody Amen. else so that they don't die and go to hell. But all we want to do is go, Jesus, tell me how wonderful I am today. 
instead of him going, I need you to measure yourself to the word, not to a fable, a fairy tale that's not based in truth. Because if you're if you live like that, those messages, the truth can't set you free because you don't even have truth. That's right. You're not even accessing truth. So there's no freedom. But it feels good for a little while. You could probably eat Pop-Tarts for a while every morning before you drop dead. It could be 50 years before you drop dead. It could be 20 years before you had diabetes. We can do things for a long period of time and go, Eve bit the apple. Oh, I didn't die. We can do things for a long period of time that are causing death, according to the Bible. But somebody else on TV that's popular, has a thousand people sitting there, tells you, you're okay. You're like... Thank you. I knew it. I just knew it. Yes, you're right. Yeah, the best thing since sliced bread. And that pastor that told me I'm wrong and out of the will of God, he's evil and controlling. Okay. So, question. What have you noticed around you? In regard to what? Right now? This scripture. Oh. 2 Timothy 4, 3. What have you noticed all around? Because it's not of us. We would never. Do this, right? So. <laughs> there have been two pastors recently that are pastoring mega churches that have actually completely walked away from their faith. Mm-hmm. Publicly renounced their faith. It's one thing to let go of your faith, guys, and to renounce your faith privately. You renounce your faith publicly, you qualified for the millstone. Yeah, that's what God says about you. You should have a millstone. Because there's no cause for you to intentionally cause other people to stumble and be derailed. That's terrifying. And so we, seriously, we would need to intercede if we were doing the right thing for that, those brothers and sisters in the Lord that are amidst right now publicly renouncing their faith that they may take many with them. Yeah. So what else are you noticing? So many different things. The just, I can't hardly stand to go on Facebook anymore mm-hmm. and scroll through anything because there's so many making it right about, you know, trying to convince people that it's right to have, you know, for abortion, trying to convince people it's, it's mm-hmm. right for homosexuality. Mm-hmm. All of these people who are con- trying to convince everyone out there because that's inclusive and it's, it's you know, we need to think about ourselves and, you know, completely denying what the Bible says. And, and then the ones that are actually going on the, you know, I, I can't read any of them because I, I just sit there and my blood boils on it because you've got these people who are so, they have a Bible, it sits on a shelf, it's covered in dust, they have no clue what it says, but yet they're on their fingertip lawyering, giving their pulpit speech, and it's like, you're so inaccurate, I can't even, I, I just, I just telling one scripture and taking a picture of it and saying, yeah. you know, if you really love what God loves, and yes. you love everybody, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hope forgive anyways. And it's just like, it, it blows my mind. Um, but the way I know it is. So many people believe that it's truth. That, yeah. It's truth to them. Mm. And they preach it like it's truth, like it's the word. Because they're not measuring. They're not taking their Bible, and they're not measuring those statements against Jesus himself, who speaks for himself. And so is, let me ask this, is love permissible? Is love acceptable? Those are not components or qualities of love. So these are partial truths that Jesus said in the last days will be far more dangerous to you than a lie. A lie is obvious to you. A partial truth when you don't know the word or how to measure it is more deceptive. Eve fell because of a partial truth. It was so close to the truth, but it wasn't in her heart. So uh, we do love everybody. That's absolutely true. But what they're saying is your love needs to be permissive of anything people want to do. Yeah. And they're the very people that at the moment anything's done to them, they're no longer permissible of it. Like, I'm running the stop sign, but you run the stop sign and run into me, I'll sue you. Wait a minute. <laughs> no shoes, no shirt, no service applies to everybody but you, right? Yeah. 
And so that that's not love, and people are very hateful about that. So, yeah, that's interesting. Are we seeing the Bible just played out in living color, like players on a stage? Yeah, but we're amongst that, and we have to remember that we are the light. And, yeah, you're going to be unpopular, like Jesus said, but you have to keep talking the truth. Kaylee, you had something, love. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so pastors generally probably aren't telling their congregations, "Hey, like our pastor does, this is a paraphrase. This is not your study Bible. Um, there are portions. He's portions that are specific. But what do we do? We read the King James first. The Amplified just amplifies it." from the Greek back into what you call a transliteration and then the passion or anything else is a paraphrase I have come across parts that they have literally skipped the scripture isn't there if you read it in the King James they left off a verse even at the end of the chapter there's 16 verses in the King James and there's 15 in the translation okay so it's widely but if you don't know the word are you going to know that and so uh, again knowing how to measure it So let's look at the final scripture, can we? Matthew 13. So we don't want to let it slip, right? So what? Everything you have from the word, don't let it slip. Keep gaining. Backsliding is just stepping one step back from what you had. That's all it is. So be in an awesome state of perpetual front sliding. The best way to do it. Okay, Matthew 13, you there? Let me get there. Okay, so Jesus is getting ready to explain the parable of the sower to the disciples. Because remember, he told them the parable, and they're like, huh, what does that mean? Okay, so he says, listen then to the meaning of the parable of the sower. That's why I don't understand why people don't preach it correctly or talk about it, because Jesus always explained himself. (laughs) He's like, here's the meaning right here. While anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is what was sown all along the roadside. Okay, so what did Jesus just tell us there? Anyone who does not... Understand or grasp. The word understand means to hold in the mind. So you are going to have to not, oh, I understood what he said. No, hold it means. Remember, don't translate biblical words with American English vernacular because they don't match up. So you needed to hold it. It actually means this, have the same ideas as the person who's speaking. So in other words, "Mm, I don't know about that. Great. Trade your thought for his because he's right, you wrong. <laughs> so you don't need to need to know about it. How many of you accept things every day that you don't understand? Yes. Yeah. I don't understand really how my coffee pot works. I am fully accepting and affectionately loving and permissible and everything above to that thing. Yeah, I don't understand it. Do we need to understand how it all works? No. You understand how your toilet flushes. Now you're just glad that you do. Okay, so he says, if you're hearing the word and you don't grasp and hold it in your mind and agree with Jesus who is speaking, then what happens? The evil one comes. In other words, this is his right if you let him. Can't stop him because you gave him the right. He comes and he takes it away. And what was sown in your heart. Okay, then in verse 20. And for what was sown on thin rocky soil, this is the person who hears the word and at once welcomes it and accepts it with joy. Hey, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear about tithing and prosperity. I'm super happy with it. But then they go home because they have no real root in them. They're temporary. They're inconsistent. They last a little while. And when affliction, like financial hardship or trouble comes or persecution, they give it up. So they let it go. Oh, that's too hard. Well, that can't really work. Or my relatives think I'm crazy, so I'm not going to do that. He is, listen to what it says, he is repelled and begins to distrust and desert him whom he ought to trust and obey. So the person who's deceived backs up from the person he's supposed to trust and obey. 
So that means when you're in deception, you can't tell the right person that you should trust. The failure to trust the right person hurts you far more than ever trusting the wrong person. Problem is when you're deceived, you don't know who's right and who's wrong. Even if the right person stands there and tells you. And for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the pleasure and delight of glamour and the deceitfulness of riches choke and suffocate it and it yields no fruit. Okay. So then it says, verse 23, what was sown on good soil. So this is the fourth person. Here's the word, grasps it, holds it in his mind and comprehends it. Then he puts it into action and bears fruit. And in one case, yields 100, another 60, and another 30. So, these are four people, right? Four people groups. Okay, out of four people groups, how many fall into the last category, the producer group? One. So, if you have 100, the Bible says only 25% of Christians will produce anything. 75% of people sitting in church or hearing scripture or listening to podcast after podcast, 50 weeks, will produce nothing. Nothing. So when we move over here, out of this percentage, how many produce a hundredfold? One. Eight. Just eight. If you're a producer of a hundredfold of the word, are you in the minority? Yeah, in the minority. Here's the good news. If you have really bad soil in your yard that won't grow a plant, can you run down to Lowe's and get a bag or whatever the guy tells you and fix the soil? So if you're a 30-fold producer, can you become a 60? Yes. Fix the soil. So how do we fix the soil that's not good in our heart? Put more of the word in. Put more of the whatever is missing in there. You fix the soil. So are, is, is production up to you? Yes. Yeah. So you the producer. God demands it, but you command it. So you decide how much. Okay. So basically when pastor was saying, don't let these things slip, then how do we do based on uh, the tripartite of scriptures? How do we do this first verse? How do we not let it slip? What say you? Keep putting the word in. Okay. Being a doer, being a person of the word. Yeah. I feel like just like Pastor was saying, it's about quality and not really quantity. And if you're studying, whatever you're studying, take time to dissect it, break it down, and study it out for yourself. Okay. Let me say this about quantity and quality. When Pastor says something, we have to be careful that we don't dismiss the what he did not say. Just because he says that quality is important, some of us may hear oh, I don't need to read a chapter a day. I can live on one verse. That's great. Don't eat lunch and dinner either and tell me how you're doing in two weeks. Yeah. Uh, And so some people need quantity because they have no food. So he's talking about, hey, if you're blowing through it and you're not getting anything out of it, slow down. But I would say you can passively, because of the age you live in and technology, keep the word, not people's sermons and opinions. The Bible app itself is audio. Put it in your ear all day, every day, showering, driving, cooking, doing your laundry. Could we probably amass easily two to four hours a day minimum that we can hear, and but we might not be able to put our eyes on. You, know, you can't read the Bible in the shower. You can't read it while you're driving your car. So in that sense, should we be trying to gain as much quantity in the soil as possible. Yeah. But out of that quantity, when we're put ready to put our eyes on it, that's that sitting before the Holy Ghost and letting him have you meditate on what he brings to you from that. But if you put nothing in there, is there going to be anything for him to dip down and draw up for you to meditate on? See, if you put the quantity in, then Jesus is going to say, hey, I want to highlight this one verse today. Let's talk about this in your life. So him saying quality does not negate quantity because you're going to be malnourished if you just go oh good we can get rid of our one-year bible and we don't have to study anymore pastor like he just reads one verse a day let's let him do that and see how we all like sunday yeah okay so (laughs) okay 
So how do we do Hebrews 2? By guarding against being the person of 2 Timothy 4.3. Okay, so uh, we learn to get things to us by guarding against other things. And becoming, so we want to guard against being this person, but we want to work towards becoming this person. So that's why they're they're connected. So um, do you believe this? The word is the answer for every question. Okay. So people say, well, the word's the answer for every need. Yeah, but I would rather say it. Is there a single question in our society today that the word hasn't already answered? No. In truth. Now, some people say, well, that's not in there, or that's gray, and I don't really get it, or I can't find that. No, you cannot find it. Can you think of a question that you could ask that you don't know in the word? All the social issues, all the social ills. Have you found the answers in the word already? Yeah, even the most newborn Christian could probably read this through one time and go, well, yeah, I saw all that, homosexuals, abortion, I saw it all in there. Yeah, Um, the answer's in there. Whether we accept it as truth or not, it's just kind of the issue. Whether we've let it slip and we let society now tell us what is love, what is acceptable, what is truth, rather than God telling us. And remember that love is a person. We will say we're not loving. Well, then we need to, what happens there is why you can't reason and you can't talk, that dark and light cannot fellowship together, is because they're not going to agree with your definition. God is love. It's a him. It's not an emotion. They're going to define it as a feeling. And so since you can't agree, you can't have a discussion about it. Okay, because we, we, either Webster's has defined the word for all of us or it hasn't. You know, the Bible has either defined it. Um, but it, but the, does the Bible not say in the last days that each man will decide in his own heart what is right? Yes. Yeah. But that, the Bible was written to who? The church. The Christians. Yeah. So he wasn't talking about heathens. No. So you have to guard against being the Christian that begins to decide in your own heart what's right in that moment or what you've calling feelings God's word to you so let me give you this uh, food for thought and then you guys can share testimonies or whatever we want to share on on that so if you believe that the word has the answer for every question would you want to look anywhere else for the answer no don't answer me all right I just want you to leave thinking on this question. And I want you to give it deep thought. No, I would never do that. That's what we say about everything. Oh, we would never do what the Israelites did. No, you'd, we'd do that and worse. Yeah, probably gotten swallowed up day one instead of day 40. Yeah. <laughs> I said, we would never. No, you would do absolutely worse. And faster. Faster. Um, ask the Holy Ghost, am I looking or even unconsciously listening to answers from other sources about anything other than your word. Am I looking to my own feelings that I didn't measure? Am I looking to my own thoughts and exalting them? Am I not even paying attention to what I'm seeing on Facebook or, or watching that's claiming Christianity? Just because just the can says tomato soup doesn't mean there's tomato soup in there. Yeah, so just because somebody says, the Bible says that in the last days, many will say, I called you Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I don't know you. I never knew you. And they'll, they'll say, we did signs and wonders in your name. I don't know you. Can you do signs and wonders in his name and God say he doesn't know you? He said so. Yeah. So it's possible. So just because somebody's saying and doing and all these things look to Jesus, it didn't mean anything. Yeah. So questions, sharing, testimonies. Yes, sir. Um, when I was reading number three, what the Holy Ghost was telling me is... Um, we're going, you know, from church to church. It is, it is God, 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 it's living water, and the water is pure. And by, by, by going church to church, it's what, what, what the Lord's telling me is, is a lot of people are muddying the water. And so they're, they're going church to church because, you know, the, the sound, they're not getting sound doctrine anywhere. They're not allowing the Holy Ghost to condemn and, um, and, and they're, when they're listening to whatever doctrine that they're listening to, um, a lot of pulpits, there's no integrity in the pulpits anymore. So when they're preaching, they're preaching just to tickle people's ears because they want an audience. And they want to feel, they want the 20,000 seater. They want the 30,000 seater, you know. Um, and so the Lord's telling me is, is to, to, to not muddy the water. Good. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. So you can see. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you have to sit still to endure sound doctrine? You can't be a pot plant moving around all the time. The Bible talk calls you oaks of righteousness, trees planted by the rivers of living water. It, you can't be an oak tree with deep roots if you didn't stay in one spot. You move in your pot plant. You won't even build credit in the natural by doing that all the time. Job to job, house to house, car to car, relationship to relationship. You build nothing in this life if you don't stay put. So I tell people, look, even if you think something's broken, stand still and fix it. Be part of the, the solution, not part of the problem by just picking up your little pot or your little basket or your little car and loading it up and going on down the road. You're the common denominator of the problem anywhere and and anywhere we go. So it's better just to, could you just stay put and fix it? I remember when I was uh, little, I ran down this dock and my feet got full of splinters. And so my dad had to pick them out and naturally was screaming, you know, at the top of my lungs and, and, many, many moments, I'm sure. I don't know how long I screamed and hollered. The thing is, though, I had to sit on the counter until he was done. Getting up because it hurts or it's inconvenient or not fun or running away or it's painful, running away, would I have had all the splinters in my feet? Yeah. So even if you're someplace where you're screaming bloody murder, it's painful, it's horrible, and, and the thrill is gone and the fun too, sit still until God can do a work in you. And, and who, where did the society begin to tell the church that all this was supposed to be fun and pleasurable? Jesus said, when you come out of the fire and you're gold, that'll be some fun. But it won't be fun on this side of it when you're a nasty lump of clay, and it won't be any fun when you're in the fire, and then you come out, get, get back in, and get back in until I refine you. Then we can have some fun. But we've decided in the church that everything needs to be just like the world. I want my food in 30 seconds. If it's not done, I'm going to cuss out the poor drive through girl. And then if, if Jesus doesn't heal me today, then I don't believe anymore. We have, we have let society transform us and we don't even know we're the frog in the pot that satan has just turned up and is in is starting to boil because we've let so many things slip that we've not even measured ourselves and go i need to see jesus today how much of the world is in me that does not please you because my light is too dark we're just so consumed with what do i have and everything happened and not with anybody else I don't know about you, but when I'm, the lights go out, a dim flashlight doesn't help me very much. It's like on its last leg in a quarter of a battery, and we're like, oh, great, this will be great. This will last about five minutes, and we're still going to grow through the dark. Well, that's how we, like I said, muddy water. You're liking it really dim when you're not asking Jesus to show you. And when we read these scriptures, we want to ask ourselves when pastor's preaching, we need to just say, that's me, God. That's me to some percentage. And what I want to know today is how much. I don't want to act like that's not me and that I'm all good and this sermon doesn't apply to me and I should have stayed home and not combed my hair. Yeah. I don't care if it's 90% or 5%. I want immediately the Holy Ghost to tell me what it is I'm not doing, what I'm doing wrong. Because what I'm not doing right and what I'm doing wrong, that's what will kill me and other people. Not everything I'm doing right. Yeah, but we have treated church and the pastor and the word with the exact opposite mentality. We read it to go, how much good do we feel about ourselves? And if we come across something, ah, let's not read today. You know, pastor did say, quality over quantity we went down too far and got into that quantity thing <laughs> I was going to share um, I like that you mentioned that about the quantity over quality um, and that we're all at different levels and we all know that picking it up in our own walk of faith is different at different pace and different levels and stuff and so I think that's really encouraging to know because it is easy to hear that and think Okay, you know, you want to be, um, you want to be religious or legalistic about it, but then I look at Pastor, and I know he knows all of Acts too by heart. So when I get to a place where it's bubbling out, and maybe I don't have to put my eyes on it, but it's in my heart so well that I can, you know, utter it forth like word for word, and and have that kind of connection with the Holy Spirit and the Word, both like you know, so alive in my life. Then I feel like okay, that's. So I just keep remembering and keep reminding myself, you know, I'm actually, like, putting in the treasure, like, for the soil, to change the soil um, so that I can also, you know, not have it on paper, but hidden in my heart, you know, in that way. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind, that our pastor has so much word inside of him, and that's such a, like, treasure, um, that that's just something to continue to, to work 
read the word with understanding and comprehension so well that it just becomes alive, like in my spirit. Oh. When, when pastor's preaching something to us, he's preaching it on the same premises. He's adding. He's not saying, oh, I'm going to give you something and now throw that out. Right. No, it's, it's another aspect, another facet. So faith comes by hearing, and you don't have enough faith for everything you need or want, finances, healing, whatever, then you need to hear more. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is when you're sitting down and putting your eyeballs in the morning, you might be just meditating, looking up in the Greek. What does that really mean? And stop skimming over it. But then the rest of the day, I could put the word in and get that quantity and get this thing built up so that was it wasn't he was saying not do one and do the other it's like do that and do that and that's what jesus said do this and that and that and that add to your faith knowledge knowledge to wisdom he he, jesus keeps adding okay who else got something anybody else just as you were talking i was just thinking i think the way we let things slip is by comparison. Oh, yeah. Like instead of stepping up to a ruler of the word, I might step up to the ruler of Michelle. And so I can look at Michelle, look at myself, and I'm like, well, I got this going on better than her. And so, uh, not that I would ever keep that here. But I'm just saying maybe that's where we let things slip. We're like, oh, you know, we're checking off something instead of going up to the word and like, what? I want to be closer. I want to be sure. I want to be you know what? I think that's why we let things yeah. sit. We're that's talking good. about these other churches, these other churches, and I'm like, oh, my heart is kind of scary. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, as soon as you start, you're not looking at this and saying, Lord, help me to live right, help me to do right. I don't, you know. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah. I, that's where I feel like God's got me now of like, let's talk about you. Yeah. No. Oh, yes. It's, it's the time, it's all about you. Yeah. Um, it's, Jesus talked about other Christians, other churches in the Word. So we, we do that to not judge or compare, but to pay attention and go, everybody is not with you that's with you. Jesus said, there are sheep and wolves among you. Stop being in, gentle and innocent as a dove, but, you know, wise as a serpent. So why Jesus identified, yeah, but to compare ourselves individually, that's a great example. That's like people would say, one thing that I used to love was Diet Coke. I shouldn't say it like that. I still love it, but I don't drink it. <laughs> um, they'd be like, hey, well, Brother Hagen drank Diet Cokes. If you don't, Brother Hagen is one of our spiritual mentors and ate bologna sandwiches, and he was in his 80s. I don't have his faith. By going, well, he did it. That's that's what April's saying. Well, he did it. Well, I can do it. Or pastor, your motto needs to be, others may, I may not. That's That's not my physiology. I don't have the same physiology as him. Nike will put some people to sleep. It wakes me up. You don't have, so you got, well, they did it. That's dangerous for you to do that, especially for someone that you view about downward. It's like, yeah, you're going to deem yourself better, superior than them, and that's God's not in that. Inferiority or superiority comparison, and God's in either one of those. It's a sin in both sides of the ditch. So in other words, it's what God's saying, mind your business. Yeah, he's going to deal with your body. If he tells you to stop drinking coffee, quit preaching it to everybody else. Yeah, because he didn't, yeah, you know, or, you know, like told you to have the, let me just say this so everybody can love me this week. He told you about keto. He didn't tell anybody else about keto. So, yeah, stop preaching the keto. Yeah, and I can say something because I do a lot of that stuff, but I do it not because anybody else is doing it. I've had to have the Holy, the Holy Ghost will counsel your own body for what's right for you. And don't look, we don't need to look at each other and go, well, you need to do keto or you, you, you're too skinny. You need to eat more. Hey, I've heard all of it. You're too little. Mind your business. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, until you look in the mirror and someone puts a Mr. or Mrs. Universe crown on you, keep on barreling, brother and sister. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to delete that part out of the recording. But that's just part. We do that spiritually, though, don't we? We compare ourselves to other people. Instead of telling the Holy Ghost, you tell me what my body can handle, what you want me to stop doing or start doing, what I can watch, what I can't, solically and then spiritually. And then we enjoy our victory and share it with each other 
rather than criticizing, condemning, or preaching to other people out of our own counsel from the Holy Ghost rather than the Word, pastors in charge of the Word feeding the flock. We are to strengthen one another. My race might be different than yours. And so what we're supposed to look like is me not take, come over here and, and jerk Brian's arm and go, you need to be over here on my path because I'm on the right path. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. No, it was, hey, we're both running our race and good job and we're strengthening each other, but we're staying in our lane. Yeah. Anybody ever seen two runners crash into each other? Yeah. Looks really bad. Guess what? They both lost. Yeah. They both got out of the race. But if you have a, a running team or a relay team or working as a team, yeah. then everybody wins when they stay in their lane and they do their job. And, and you're, you live in your own uniqueness that God is forming in you rather than trying to conform other people to be like you. One of me is enough for five million. I don't want to see or hear another person like me as long as I live. Anybody else got anything? Yes, Chrissy. I think one way we can let things slip is through offense. Yeah. Because we can get sideways about something that Pastor might say. I'm mm-hmm. using this for an example from the pulpit, and you might think that he's talking about you. You know? Yeah. I know that he's used that. I've never, this, this doesn't apply to me, but. <laughs> Not now, anyway. Maybe it's once upon a time. Yeah. <laughs> but if you get offended with somebody, even if it's with Pastor because he slighted you in some way, you know, walking down the hall and he doesn't speak anymore or something, you know, just to throw an idea out there, you can block anything that God wants to say to you through him. So all of those, all of those things that God has that want, he wants to get to you, he can't. Right. And the things that he has received are now kind of pushed back and you let those go because well I don't know if I believe him now. Right. That's excellent. Is that the scripture of anything you had is now taken from you? Yeah. You just undid everything that you ever had through that vessel by judging the imperfection of the vessel. Did Jesus say in the Bible that he is your stumbling block? Yes, he said, I'm the rock of offense. So when we say, well, I would never be offended with Jesus, you just told him he's a liar. Because he said every time you're offended with a person, you didn't wrestle against flesh and blood. He said, you're stumbling over me. If nothing else you're stumbling over is that you can't forgive and walk in love. So you are offended at Jesus every moment that you're offended. That's what helps us get out of fence real quick. Well, Jesus said, it doesn't matter whether you understand it and you don't have to believe it. It doesn't change the truth. It just changes the outcome of your life. When you're offended, you stumbled over Jesus. And that's how he views it. You don't have to view it that way, but that's how he sees it. Did you have something, Brian? Yeah, I, okay. um, I, I was thinking vanity. And that's what we get caught in. Yeah. And it is. We're thinking of ourselves, not others. Amen. Are we all legends in our own mind? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <You> know. <laughs> hey. You know, Solomon had a... Vanity. Vanity. We're, we're overly awed with our opinions, our thoughts, even our emotions. And uh, I would say that we're even uh, highly impressed when we think we've heard the voice of God. <laughs> because we let everybody know. And anybody that thinks to tell us differently is wrong. That's a big one. That's probably at the top of the list. That is the list. Uh, yeah, I'm just saying, aren't you? Yeah. Aren't y'all glad that I don't hardly ever do connect group? Hey, um, Jeff, why don't you close us out in prayer and y'all can eat again and go home happy. <laughs> it is way past time. Good. Father, thank you for working us over, Lord. Amen.